0: Welcome to The Slow Reader, a podcast about books read slowly. I'm Steve, and in this episode I have reviews of The heroine Diaries, which I finally finished two and a half weeks ago, and Paper Towns, which is a novel by John Green. Since the last episode, I finished reading one book and read another in its entirety, and I also started two rereading projects. So I was able to reduce the length of my to-read list to the following three books. Tunnels, The Devil in the White City, and Louis Riel. So that's from six down to three, which isn't bad, and that's just my immediate to-read list. I mean, I have several other books on my shelf that I haven't listed here, but these are just the books that I would like to finish before getting through the end of the year. Although I'm not sure I'm going to get that far, just because I, uh, I started rereading another two novels at once. Speaking of which, after watching Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban on Halloween, I thought it would be fun to reread the book. It's been a long time since I read it, and it was actually the first novel I read in the series. It was for a university course about myth and symbols way back in 2003 or 2004. Not entirely sure. But I remember it having more depth to the story than the movie could deliver, so I wanted to see if that memory is true, or if it's just uh, another case of the movie left out some parts from the book, like adaptations usually do. I also started a reread of Ready Player One. The sequel novel to this one, Ready Player Two, is coming out November 24th, 2020, and I wasn't sure if I was going to reread the original novel or not. Ultimately, I decided that I would, but to give me some structure to get through it while reading another book, I'm following along the original episodes of the podcast, 372 pages we'll never get back. So my last batch of reading, I finished page 46, which was the end of chapter 3, and uh, I'm hoping that this will give me some time to kind of hop between novels and and not uh, get stuck in one novel and then read another one. Maybe I'll try and finish them at the same time. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. But that also means I intend to read Ready Player Two when it comes out. So, I mean, Ready Player One's not a long book. I don't think it'll take me more than 17 days, which at the time of writing... Uh, the outline for this podcast, that's how long I have to read it. So my 2 read list is actually now four books, and I've pushed those other three that I mentioned down. So ultimately, I think I'm going to finish those three books probably early 2021 by the time I get to them. So getting to the reviews, we'll start with The Heroin Diaries. I started reading this one in July, July 13th, 2020, and finished reading it October 25th, 2020. Here's the book summary. Set against the frenzied world of heavy metal superstardom, the co-founder of Motley Crue offers an unflinching and gripping look at his own descent into drug addiction. It follows him during the year he plunged to rock bottom and his courageous decision to pick himself up and start living again. I'll start off the review with my star rating I assigned on Goodreads. 5 out of 5. In my opinion, the star rating on Goodreads is mostly used to indicate the level of enjoyment of a book, and that's what I usually use it for at least. To me, I suppose a five-star rating should mean that I really enjoyed the book, but I don't think I can say that I enjoyed reading The Heroin Diaries. So why the five-star rating? At the base level, it's a good read, to steal the name of the website. Rather, I think it's an important read. The book summary doesn't really explain the concept of the book very well. The Heroin Diaries is exactly that, a diary. Nikki Six, who is the aforementioned co-founder of Motley Crue, keeps diaries and writes to himself. In this book, he gives us a look at the year 1987. Uh, As the summary suggests, he hits rock bottom by the end of the year and actually dies, though obviously he was resuscitated and continues to live sober to this day. The diary entries are often short with few details, but interspersed with the entries are commentary from Nicky himself and other people in his life from 1987. These commentaries serve to provide further context to the entries and sometimes even contradict what Nicky was writing, including Nicky himself when he acknowledges that he was lying to himself in his own diary many times. While I don't know anyone personally that suffers from addiction, and only a few people in my life who deal with mental illnesses, I have done a lot of reading and listening on the subject recently. Uh, But even without the commentary provided by Nicky, I could see clear signs of depression in what he was writing. I think that's the biggest takeaway people should get from this book. Recognize the signs of depression and mental illness. There are many points in the diary entries where Nikki was clearly showing these signs and at times even calling out for help, whether he knew it or not. But the people around him either didn't recognize that he needed help or just ignored it, especially the music industry executives, uh, because they were clearly making a lot of money off the band and didn't want it to stop. Nikki writes in the book, and I read the 10th anniversary edition released in 2017, that since publishing the diaries, many people come up to him and express their gratitude for sharing his personal life. Some of them even got themselves cleaned up and sober after reading what he went through because they went through some of the same things. So this is why I gave it a five-star rating. We should be able to recognize when people need help and talk to them and offer help. If this book will help make more people aware of mental illness and addiction, then I will always recommend reading it. It might be about a rock star making millions of dollars, but I found it extremely relatable despite the fame and stardom. So jumping off of The Heroin Diaries, I wanted to read something a little more light and not so serious. So this is where I went to um, Paper Towns by John Green. Here's the book summary for that one. Quentin Jacobson has spent a lifetime loving the magnificently adventurous Margot Roth Spiegelman from afar. So when she cracks open a window and climbs into his life, dressed like a ninja and summoning him for an ingenious campaign of revenge, he follows. After their all-nighter ends and a new day breaks, Q arrives at school and to discover that Margot, always an enigma, has now become a mystery. But soon Q learns that there are clues, and they're for him. Urged down a disconnected path, the closer he gets, the less Q sees the girl he thought he knew. So I started reading Paper Town's October 25th, 2020, and finished reading it November 3rd, 2020. Going into this novel, I didn't know very much about John Green's writing style, although... I knew that he writes predominantly in the young adult teen milieu, and that one of his books was recently adapted to a movie, The Fault in Our Stars. Beyond that, I've heard him speak about mental illness on on some podcasts, but uh, in short, I was going into this novel a blank slate. It turns out that's a good thing, because apparently many of his characters share the same traits and personalities. That aside, it was immediately clear to me when I started reading the book that Quentin and Margot were each made up of some sort of template. Quentin was the shy kid who has a long, unrequited love for his next-door neighbor Margot, who herself is the manic pixie dream girl. The first part of the book details a night of revenge, as mentioned on the back of the book summary, and then the second and third parts of the book deal with the aftermath of Margot disappearing with no indication of returning. Initially, when I reviewed this book on Goodreads, I gave it two stars and knocked it for characters I didn't believe in. I liked the story, but hated the dialogue. I think I would still give it two stars, but in thinking about it, I've come around a little bit on one character at least, Margot. At the beginning of the novel, she's this completely unbelievable girl who is amazing at everything she does. She's immensely popular at school, is able to keep the school population in check, and this is to the point of making sure bullies don't pick on certain people, And when she disappears, the high school ecosystem falls apart and Quentin has to put it back together with what he learns from both his night with Margot before she disappears and then what he learns in trying to find her again. But then the book deconstructs her character. Quentin realizes that the girl he thought he knew really wasn't who she is. She leaves clues for him to find her, which starts out as a search for her physical location, and eventually turns into a journey to discover the real person behind the mask that she puts up for everyone else. There are points along the way where Quentin, and myself following along, truly thought that she might have committed suicide, and that what she was leaving behind was actually an elaborate suicide note. That wasn't the case, though, I kind of wonder what outcome would have been more realistic here in this book. I appreciated that Quentin made some growth from where he started to where he ended up. I really really dislike the dialogue between Quentin and his friends, but his internal thoughts and narration are more tolerable to me. I am very glad that the bulk of the story did not take place in a school setting. Those scenes were not fun at all to read. I don't think I can complain too much about how the characters act, because I realize that while this is not a fantasy or sci-fi genre novel exactly, the story is kind of a fantasy realism story. None of the characters in the book would probably exist in real life, But uh, I would allow that maybe Margot might, or at least I could believe that someone may be entirely different than how they present themselves to society. Feeling trapped somewhere feels like something that could be very real to me, so on that front, I will give the book a pass. After writing out this review, I think I might bump my star rating to 2.5 out of 5 instead of simply 2. It's not my favorite book by any means, but it was easy to read and get through. It was fairly lighthearted, which I didn't fully expect after the book starts with the main characters as nine-year-olds discovering a man who committed suicide. It's not something I would call a waste of time, but it's not something I would recommend either. There are definitely better books out there. Okay, so looking ahead. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'm currently reading The Prisoner of Azkaban and Ready Player One. I'm not going to review those, but uh, once Ready Player Two is released... I'll be reading that one as well, and I encourage you, if you do read it, follow along with the podcast, 372 pages will never get back. Thank you for listening. I am on Goodreads and Twitter. The links will be in the show notes if you'd like to follow my book reviews there. Have a good one, and keep reading.